OTRs, today you're going to get a special insight into a little window of a talk that I'm creating. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some notes, some basic ideas, even a little piece of, of the outline of a talk I'm going to give this fall. Now, some of you know that I was invited last year um, to speak at you know what I would consider one of the most prestigious events um, for a veterinarian in my field at the AABP National Conference. And at that conference, I got to talk about you know some of the areas I'm very, very passionate about. And ABP invited me back again this year to talk about an area that I've obviously focused on this month in terms of employment, retention, and those types of things. And what I want to do today is kind of talk about those topics and share some of my ideas and some of the things that I've been working on with you in terms of the hiring and retention of employees from an employer's perspective or my own perspective as a clinic owner. And I want to share with you guys uh, the things you can do or the things that I think employees should see being done at a practice by their employers. And these tactics will help you identify, develop, and retain strong candidates for your practice and really help set you apart and provide you, you know, those ideal candidates for your practice, for its future development, to keep you cutting edge and really keep you ahead of the pack in terms of services provided to your clients. So stay tuned OTOers for another exciting episode of Thoughts from the Truck. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTOers. As a practice owner, you know, I love having that undeniably qualified candidate apply for a job that I list. I think you all know who I mean. You know, that unique combination of skill, colloquialism, intelligence, and drive. But, you know, those people are rare. You know, they don't come out of vet school ready to go like that very often. So how do you attract, you know, that ideal candidate that's completely developed already? And maybe more so, how do you develop a person who's close to that, but might not be at that point yet? So I think number one, the most important thing when you, before we start talking about, you know, attracting this person and developing them, I think we need to picture this concept of a field of dreams. And when I like to think of a field of dreams, I think of that Kevin Costner movie where he's sitting on his wooden bleachers, looking out over his field, perfectly manicured, bunch of baseball historic legends playing baseball on it beautiful cornfield right behind it that they're coming out of every night and i think of the iconic james earl jones line if you build it they will come you know james earl jones goes on to say you know what does that mean and he goes on to talk about the importance of baseball and how it's held this country together 
in all of the groundwork and foundational principles that basically make it a necessity to have this field. And it means that you need to build something that everybody wants to participate in. And he goes on to say, they won't know why, but they will be compelled up your driveway. So the people who come to watch these historic baseball players play baseball, they won't know why they're coming, but there's something that drives them to come to your practice or come to that field. And I think that's what we need to do is we need to build our very own field of dreams that is our actual practice. Now, you can foster this vision by opening up your clinic. What do I mean by that? I mean, open it up. Let people come, whether they're high school students, college students, they're veterinary students, fourth year students. Get them to come, integrate with them. Think of it like developing your bullpen, not to make another corny baseball reference. But maybe one out of every five or one out of every 10 students you let ride along with you, you know, turn into a veterinarian or become a veterinarian. But if you have that small percentage, that person that comes out, is going to know your system. They're going to know your clients. They're going to understand how everything flows. They're going to be mentored by you. And they're probably going to be a great fit for you and generally love the system that your clinic represents. Now, personally, for my practice, We've developed kind of our field of dreams. And what we've done is we've just used it to develop local talent. I mean, we mentor anybody and everybody. We go speak to fourth graders and we have fourth year veterinary students, probably about a quarter of the year, we have fourth year veterinary students at our clinic. And that's led to our clinic basically supporting or, or creating um, two out of the six veterinarians in our clinic coming from the local area. And we've probably had or sponsored another, I'd say, between four and maybe as many as six veterinary students that have gone on to practice medicine either elsewhere or in small animal medicine. Now, I know some of you are saying, but Eric, I'm from rural America. You know, no one wants to come here and few people leave here. How am I supposed to foster a system like that? And I'd return with, you know, that's fine. Sometimes you're not going to have an ideal candidate like that. And I know that our practice might be a rarity, but it is a way to kind of build your practice. Now, if you don't have that opportunity, what you need to do is foster a rich externship environment. You know, give a great hands-on experience. Show them a good time in the surrounding area. Open your doors up to students. Communicate directly with them. And you're going to bring in talent. People are going to want to come to you to experience things, to learn things, to get hands on. And by doing that, you've exposed yourself to many, many more people. And they're going to get to know you, your clinic, your procedures, and you're going to become a name out there that people might want to go and work for because they know that environment exists. And it's not a one-way street, right? So if we have students out by us, it's one of my favorite things because they give back as much as you give them. I mean, some of the ideas, some of the questions they ask really get your brain turning. Maybe it makes you do more research into why you're doing a specific technique, or maybe there's something that a university is doing that's new or cutting edge that you want to look more deeply into, but they'll give back as much as you give them. So open up that conversation, open up your clinic. If you can't create a field of dreams locally, create a field of dreams on a state or national level 
that recognizes your clinic as the place to go to really get experience and get those numbers through the door so you get exposed to high quality candidates. The other nice thing about having candidates like that, having veterinary students or externs or even interns or uh, residents at your practice, is it allows you to look more progressive. Your clients are going to see young veterinarians practicing cutting-edge medicine, and you're going to become slowly the clinic to go to because they think you're doing the best or the most progressive medicine. So now let's just say you've picked you know, one of these two strategies, you've implemented it, and now you've maybe identified your ideal candidate um, or a candidate that you think can be made or developed into the ideal job candidate for you. What do you do then? And I would encourage you to not just interview that person and offer them a job. I think that feels impersonal. And it sets up kind of these unrealistic promises and expectations of what your practice might actually be versus what it actually is. So this is where I encourage you to have kind of a kick the tires event. And you can even present it to the candidate like that, where both of you kick the tires on each other. You have them ride along for, let's say, you know, between two and five days and you observe them. You give them a little bit of rope kind of to hang themselves and see how they do in challenging situations and watch how they react. You look at their client interactions, their medicine, maybe even their research. And you just find opportunities for them to experience you and you to experience them. During this time, you know, I like to really encourage them to ask questions, open, honest questions. I think that the more that I do one-on-one coaching, the more I do masterminds, the more that I do um, veterinary public speaking, the more that I've identified that communication is probably the number one problem at the veterinary business level and at the client level. So when they ask you questions, clearly convey your thoughts. I mean, if they're an ideal candidate and you're really thinking about offering them a job and you can't communicate all of the issues or problems or things that you think, um, you know, your dirty laundry for the clinic, do you really think that after you hire them, they're not going to figure it out within weeks to months? You can't hide anything from somebody you're going to potentially employ. So answering their questions open and honestly, I think it's a great way to continue the conversation and just show them that you value them, you know, as a peer, as an equal in this discussion. Now, some of you know kind of where I'm coming from with this. I tend to be an over-communicator or over-share, um, but you know, that's part of my evolution, I feel like, um, as a owner, as a person, as a veterinarian, you know, as a husband and a father. Um, and now I think that my clients, my colleagues, my wife, um, all know where I stand much more readily and kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think that that has really made my life significantly easier. So after you've had, you know, these experiences, this open line of communication, um, now both of you should go back, whether you're, you're the potential employee or the potential employer and sit down and again, reconsider the offer that you're thinking of, you know, does this clinic still feel right? Does this fit still feel right? Is it headed in the right direction? Does it have the same vision as me? Now, some of you, again, are probably sitting back and saying, you know, I have to hire somebody to fill this work void. You know, it doesn't have to be the ideal candidate. And maybe you can't even find the ideal candidate. And I think what you need to do is just do the best to fill the role you have, you know, using the above criteria. And obviously that's a pretty basic statement um, for any business owners. You want to hire the best candidate you can. But 
again, just remember that communication is key, especially I think with a less than ideal candidate, they might not be as qualified or, you know, as set up as well. But if you have a clear line of communication, you clearly convey expectations with them. I think you might be surprised at how things work out, you know, telling them straight up front, Hey, you know, I'm going to offer you a job, but I think your medicine skills aren't up to par. Uh, I, people forget a lot of times that most veterinarians are type A personality. Present them with a challenge and they usually are going to rise to the occasion. So clearly conveying expectations rather than thinking they're just going to be plug and play um, or things like that are, is going to be incredibly important, especially when you have a less than ideal candidate. Maybe there's certain areas they're really strong in and you can lean them towards that. And there's certain areas where they need mentorship in and you can mentor them. And we'll talk a little bit more about ways in which you can develop and retain employees further into this talk. But I think, again, communication is going to be very, very key. So the next thing that you're going to want to focus on uh, after you secure the hire is the follow-up. And this is coming from an ownership perspective or, or an employer perspective. And this kind of is going to continue the communication train. Um, this communication after you make the hire and you get them signed on board, however, is going to focus more on three big things, retention, mentorship, and growth. And basically what I'm seeking to do or what I encourage people to do in this area is go and get their mentality to shift from a job to a career to a calling. You know, and that's all for your new employee. Happy employees stay, they grow and develop, um, but we can't expect that that will happen passively. There's not a lot of people out there that want to or will be able to drive their own passive growth. However, if you surround them with a environment, with a social environment, a peer group environment that is continuously, passively, or actively growing, it's going to rub off on them. But if you surround them with an environment where it's work nine to five and leave, and there's no additional growth, don't expect them to be as driven or create their own you know, passive expansion on their own. And I think it's for this reason, you know, that we need to focus again on those three things, mentorship, retention, and growth. So let's start with mentorship. And I think it's really important to note, and most employers are going to know this by this point, but one of the top things that I get in my truck from new grads or I should say fourth year veterinary students that are about to become new grads is they want mentorship. And I think what we need to do here is think about what exactly mentorship means to us. Many clinics are going to list their job listing or their job posting. And it's going to say mentorship available or something of that nature. And what I think we need to consider, and we've done this before with candidates, is a formal or even semi-formal plan for mentorship. You know, think of it as a outline for them so they can see that you've put thought into mentorship. It's easy to say, I'm going to mentor you. That's easy. And anyone who's ever been a mentor realizes that job is not easy. There are a lot of challenges with it. Um, finding solutions, giving solid recommendations, all of those kinds of things are a challenge. But what you can do to get a competitive advantage for your new employee is have a plan. Or if you've got a job list and you can say, I have a nine-point mentorship plan or something like that, it's going to give you or make you stand out from the crowd 
but I think it's also great um, either presenting that in that interview or a basic plan interview or in that post hiring process to be like, okay, so these are the steps we have for mentorship. And that might be tailored to their current skill set and what you need them to, to, to develop, excuse me. But it might also be tailored to their interests or a combination of the two. And you might even, um, you know, want to consider taking it one step further and integrating them into the actual discussion of, you know, what does their ideal mentorship look like? You know, do they just need communication? Do they need personal development, professional development, CE? What does mentorship look like to them? And then creating that program. But either way, I think you need to have some kind of written down program. So, you know, at our clinic, we focus um, you know, very, very extensively on this. And by no means are we, you know, the number one at mentorship or anything like that. But we work really hard to improve this and provide a good environment for our new hires. So what we like to do, and I'll give you, you know, six points here I've got for you guys um, that I think that we really do quite well at our clinic that you might be able to pick up and use at yours if you're not using them already. Um, that first year, we give 24-7, 365-day access um, to all of the owners. So if they need to call for a question on a case, if they're on call, um, you know, if they have questions at any point in time, they can reach out to us. Um, at least one, if not two of us, will have our phones on us the entire day, even if we're at herd checks. So if they get into trouble, they can call and get help. You know, I think that that, that safety net um, is a great way to provide the initial mentorship. Now, second thing we do is we do do daily meetings. Now, um, some people might call these rounds, but we don't really per se around individual cases. We sit down, we talk about what we saw that day, what we saw on certain dairies, maybe some weak points or some questions um, on each other's different operations. And it's kind of a daily end of the day thing. We'll just meet at the clinic and we'll just discuss things and then we go home. Um, but that provides really good opportunity to give lessons and have people see cases mentally before they even see them actually in practice and then talk through why we do what we do. Um, the third thing that we have really done quite well, I think, is the youngest owner or the younger owners um, generally go out of their way to be approachable. So, you know, going out for a drink maybe after hours to just, you know, BS and really talk about the day or even just, you know, listening to the gripes of the day and understanding, you know, the challenges of being a young veterinarian, that young owner is much closer to that and understands it much more. But even younger owners generally tend to be less intimidating than the more senior partners. So I think that position, positions you in a really unique perspective. Uh, beyond that, you know, the next thing that we really do is personal development. You know, our clinic has kind of an initiative where we have personal development lessons every other week for our employees. Um, we provide our employees personal development books. We've done personality typing, strengths typing, those types of things to help them develop personally as well as professionally. And I think it's had, at least myself personally, when I was an associate, it had a significant impact on me um, positively. And I think it really has helped um, with our overall clinic culture as well. The fifth point that we I think we mentor really well on is consulting integration. So um, whether you're a large or small animal, each of those different specialties is going to have something that is higher end. So whether that's, you know, a specialty in surgery or specialty in medicine, um, or if you're in the production animal side, it's, you know, herd level consulting. No matter what that level is, 
um, we try to get our associates out of the baseline level of day to day, grind it out, you know, the stuff that they're going to have, you know, 70, 80, 90% of their day made up of. And we try to get them into some higher level, more challenging stuff. And that gets them slowly built up so then they can start to take some of those things over and push their medicine forward. And it encourages them to challenge themselves as well. Again, another form of mentorship, passing our knowledge on to that next generation of new veterinarians at our clinic. And then finally, one thing I'm particularly proud of at our clinic is ongoing business training. So rather than waiting until our associates become owners, we are continuously training them. So we expose them to drug rep meetings. We expose them to basic books and production numbers. And you slowly get this trickle out effect of information. Now, do they ever become completely privy to the things that us as owners know financially? No, not necessarily. Do we have independent owners meetings? Definitely we do in our clinic. But we think in our clinic that a new owner with no business knowledge does us no good whatsoever. They can't give us significant input. And the other important thing in that conversation is that the associates a lot of times are the ones with the most time to carry out any new initiative in a business. So integrating them into that decision process is incredibly important. And again, important from a mentorship perspective to show them that we value what they actually think. So those are the six quick things um, we like to do there from a mentorship perspective. And the last thing we really, you know, I would say not another point, but another thing um, that we like to do is really integrate them extensively, um, you know, with this ideal mentoring environment. Um, whether it's with our younger owners, with our office staff, um, or with our clients, we try to integrate them so that they can pass on some of this mentorship advice that they've got. Because again, um, when you learn something, you learn it, and then you're going to want to apply it. But then you're going to want to teach it. So we try and integrate them um, kind of extensively into that actual tree um, to kind of round out that ideal mentorship environment. And I know that was poorly explained there, but basically, again, we're trying to get them to learn it, to apply it, and then potentially teach it going forward, whether that's on a case or to a client or maybe to a future associate as well. So the second thing that I think employers should be looking at and concentrating on after mentorship is retention strategies. And these can be pretty difficult to, to describe. Um, I'd encourage people to remember that money is not king anymore. Um, there needs to be a balance when you're considering, you know, what's alluring to new applicants. You know, some people are going to want vacation days. Some people are going to want more CE, um, maybe extended benefits, flexible hours. I've even seen housing being used um, when seeking these ideal candidates or looking to retain those ideal candidates. We just had a student boy, it's got to be over a year ago now from the UK that that was included in their hiring package was actually a townhome to live in. And it, I know I've heard once or twice of veterinary clinics in the US providing that as well. I think there's a little bit to be said there as, as an advantage to students coming out of school with significant loan debt to have somewhere you know, to live maybe rent free. And that could be alluring to them as well because that is another, let's just say you're renting for somewhere between 500 and $700 a month, that's that much more you can put towards student loans. But that's, you know, having said that, you should also consider, you know, 
the type of salary you're going to do. Are you going to do salary? You need pro salary. You need some kind of hybrid. Um, and I think the last thing you know that I really want to touch on right away um, for retention is you know, what is the general path at your clinic. I think one of the things that really attracted me to my current clinic is um, that we they offered ownership down the road as a possibility or an end goal. Um, and that really helped, you know, with retention and the attractiveness to that, to that particular job. Um, again, coming back full circle, that forces us with that as the end goal to provide associates business knowledge as, as they kind of go along. Um, beyond that, I think the other thing that people forget often when they're looking at, you know, why can't they retain people is you need to do fun things together. So they can see your clinic as not a, just a job, not just a career, but you know, that true calling. So, you know, we do things like, you know, we're all friends. I just went out to dinner with our associate and his wife and my wife. It was fun. We talked shop, we talked families. Um, you know, we do those kinds of things integrated. We're friends beyond work. We host a trap league at our clinic where we have our associates, our owners, even a ton of clients come and we shoot trap once a week, all summer long. We have Christmas parties, we have grill outs, you know, we do things all throughout to foster, you know, this intraclinic connection, um, as well as client and associate connections. I think that's important to note as well as um, in the retention strategy, if you're showing your, your a new associate, that you know you're trying to integrate them with your actual clients and show the client that they are as good or better than you are or than you are as an owner at something. I think that really goes a long way to retention as well to be seen as a complete um, team member within the veterinary team. Now, the last thing I want to touch on, the last point today, I don't want to take up too much of your guys's time. But the last point I want to touch on that we really focus on from a um, you know, a development retention kind of plan is we at Dairy Doctors focus on growth. And I think it's important to note that individuals who stop growing and stop being challenged generally don't stay where they are. They become disgruntled or unhappy with their current career or their current job. And it's kind of for this reason um, that we support almost all desired CE. And we continue to support and market, you know, any interests or specialties for our associates. So generally speaking, um, you know, requests for time or money um, for projects uh, are generally accepted at our clinic, you know, within reason. Um, but what we use it for is, you know, goodwill. And a lot of times the results you get from a small investment in your associate and giving them power to develop something and take ownership of something is, you know, well worth giving up that money or that time. And it's going to go even longer by showing them that you have faith in them. And they're going to be more likely to want to stay where they're valued. You know, and the last thing is you're going to give them great experience, you know, beyond showing them the trust, you're going to let them look like an expert in front of a client because they are an expert in the area that they're really interested in. You're going to let them express their passion, their why, you know, all of those kinds of things are why it's really important to let them grow and foster that growth. If an employee isn't seeking, you know, these experiences out actively, 
will try and foster them, you know, in that area of interest. You know, some people aren't as outgoing or as initiative starting. So, you know, we'll find the areas of their strengths, their passions and push them in that direction and encourage them, put them out in front of clients again as the expert. Ultimately, you know, we want them to take personal ownership of the situation. We want them to always seek growth and we want to try and show them that no matter what, uh, no single job is too hard, too dirty, or too big of a challenge for anybody at the clinic, including themselves. And we're seeking to place our associates as the experts in our community, as people that community members can come to value, look to for their skills, their talents, um, and they're going to better the community, their families and themselves, not just our business. You know, we really want our associate after we think about, you know, identifying the ideal candidate, um, you know, retaining them, training them, um, and getting them to grow. After we've done all that, we want them to know their voice is heard and that we care about what they can do. We see their potential and we're going to foster that. So I suppose that, you know, after 30 minutes of tips and tricks that we use in our practice, things that I think are important coming from someone who is an associate, you know, three years ago and, and, you know, coming really from the heart of what I think can help your clinic. I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, a saying that my late grandfather shared with, with my parents and with me um, for many years before he passed. And, and I think it really hits at the heart is, you know, treat others as you'd like to be treated. When you're thinking of your associates and how, you know, you want them to develop and how you'd like them to stay, ultimately it comes down to if you were in their shoes with their debt load, their experience facing your clients, how would you like to be treated? And how can you make that environment a little more supportive for growth, development, and again, helping them transition from just a job to, you know, just a career to a true calling where they feel like they're doing, you know, their why. So I'd like to thank you guys again for tuning in to me today and carry on OTRs. If you liked this content and want more, join our OTO community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. Also, check out our blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. And don't miss our cutting edge episodes where we cover the latest in peer-reviewed scientific research related to large animal veterinary medicine. You can find the written context at otovets.com forward slash cutting edge, or you can listen to it at our podcast at otovets.com forward slash podcast. Please join our community for an active discussion about today's podcast, past podcasts, and other decisive topics within veterinary medicine. Thanks again for joining us today, OTOers, and carry on.